Hey there, folks. Jordan Sheridan live. Status coup. It's Monday, uh, February 13th, 2023. Coming live a little bit earlier than normally um, because I think, uh, in my opinion, this is the biggest story in the United Corporations of America. Uh, and from what I have seen, aside from some written articles, uh, I'm not seeing this covered, uh, at least on cable news, uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, um, the Sunday morning shows. Uh, I'm barely seeing it covered. I don't know about you guys, uh, which I'm not surprised by, but to me, it's certainly outrageous because I think that what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio, which is basically on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, might go down as one of the worst ecological disasters uh, in modern history. Um, and it is has all of, all of the telltale signs that I have seen in previous reporting of basically politicians, media sweeping it under the rug, uh, and the residents that live there and in the surrounding areas, because this is being, this explosion is being smelled uh, 30, 40 miles down the road, we're seeing. Um, this has generational ramifications in terms of the health uh, and well being of residents, not only in East Palestine, but in the surrounding areas that this smoke has gone through. Um, this is a great question. I'll start with this and I'll just give you the behind the scenes. Uh, Crystal asks Is status coup sending someone to Ohio to cover this? Um, I just want to be perfectly honest and give you the behind the scenes. We had booked a flight for Louis DeAngelis. Uh, Louis is uh, a freelance reporter who has done great work for us uh, over the last year. He was supposed to be there Saturday. And the more I thought about it, honestly, I, I respect the reporters who are on the ground there. I didn't think it was safe uh, to send him there right now. Um, you know, obviously as reporters, you, you take risks um, but to me, knowing what I know and having covered Flint and a couple other places where I've been that had environmental calamity, I don't think it's safe for the residents to be there, much less sending a reporter in there. And I, you know, I don't want to send, uh, obviously, like I said, you have to take risks, but I did not want to send in Lewis uh, and risk his long-term health uh, because unless you're wearing a full, full on respirator and even wearing a respirator, uh, that doesn't cover you completely with this kind of gas. Uh, vinyl chloride uh, is what is coming out of that train. So we will be going there, but I didn't think, uh, I did not think it was safe to send him right this minute. So uh, we're going to monitor it, um, but we will, we will be sending someone. But, you know, you just have to balance uh, wanting to be there and cover something with not sending somebody somewhere where you know, not that, not only that there's a chance, but that there's a very strong likelihood that they will get sick. Uh, so we are going to cover it for now from afar uh, and eventually get there. Uh, we have interviews with uh, residents as well as activists to show you uh, in this hour. Uh, this story has very, very, very eerily, it feels very eerie to me of Flint, of other stories I've covered that were similar in East Chicago, Indiana. I've covered stories similar to this in the St. Louis, Missouri area, uh, where literally you have a corporation through corporate greed that cut regulations, uh, cut around corners, uh, basically 
you know, to save a buck or two, uh, basically, you know, sped through uh, what should have been uh, upgrades they made to the train, uh, tried to block regulations on the train, and we're going to get to that. And as a result, we now have this controlled burn, controlled explosion, which is killing animals, making residents sick, and it's probably going to lead to a massive cancer cluster in this area. So we're going to air some interviews we did in a little bit. I interviewed um, a man who uh, is a fox keeper in the area and has a farm with foxes, coyotes, and other animals uh, literally right at, um, literally right outside the evacuation zone, so about a mile away from where the train exploded. Unfortunately, one of his foxes has already died since the explosion. Uh, others are sick. Uh, the blood tests that uh, he has been taking his animals back and forth to the vet, and uh, they already are showing on blood tests high, high elevated liver enzymes, um, lung damage in these animals. So these are just the animals. Uh, if you've been watching on social media, there are pictures and rows of dead fish, not just in the immediate blast zone, but all the way down river. Uh, and I've spoken with residents who I'm hoping I could get on air um, who are talking about their children are coughing, uh, very significant coughs. Uh, and even one I spoke to, uh, eyes are burning. So we're going to get to what you could do to help, uh, Mark. That's a good question. So let's first start. I actually, it's sad that the best description I've seen of this did not come from mainstream media, but it came from a TikTok video. Colin, let's play... Uh, uh, let me make, do I have the person's name so I could give credit? Um, do, do, do. Yeah, so this, this is from uh, Nick Drom, Nick Drom's TikTok channel. So that's Nick, D-R-O-M, and he's been doing great coverage of this since it started. So this will just give you an overview of the train explosion uh, and everything that's going on there. This hasn't been getting a lot of coverage, and the coverage that it has been getting hasn't been very good, so let's talk about the trail derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine's about an hour north of Pittsburgh, almost halfway to Cleveland. Norfolk Southern has a rail line that goes right through town, and this derailment happened right on the edge outside of town on the border of PA and Ohio. Of the cars that crashed, five of them contained vinyl chloride. It's a monomer used to make PVC. Some of the reporting on this has gotten vinyl chloride confused with polyvinyl chloride, the polymer made out of vinyl chloride. Now the reason that this distinction is really important is vinyl chloride is very hazardous and very flammable. Polyvinyl chloride is a plastic that's used in like everything. The other thing about vinyl chloride is that it boils at 8 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's shipped in its liquid form. Meaning that when these trains crashed and these started leaking, they weren't just leaking liquid, but they were spewing boiling gas. So vinyl chloride is really toxic. OSHA has the permissible limit of how much you can be exposed to it during an eight-hour shift as a one ppm part per million, average over eight hours. So prior to this, the biggest spill of this chemical was in New Jersey, where one train car and about 23,000 gallons of vinyl chloride were spilled, but it didn't catch on fire. Now, this crash in Ohio has five train cars. These kinds of tanker cars can carry between 25 and 33,000 gallons. Let's call it 250 to 250,000 pounds of vinyl chloride. That's per train car, five train cars. There's maybe a million pounds of this toxic chemical spilling into the ground and also boiling off into the air. 
But then it caught on fire. I think this is where the reporting is really bad because no one is mentioning what the byproduct of vinyl chloride burning is. Of the many byproducts of burning vinyl chloride, one of them is hydrogen chloride. Hydrogen chloride is really unstable and latches onto water, like just water vapor in the atmosphere, and that turns into hydrochloric acid. So right now, government officials, officials from the railroad, both the governor of Pennsylvania and Ohio are calling burning off the million pounds of this stuff a success, but not mentioning that it means that we have hundreds of thousands of pounds of acid in the air, potentially. Now, ever since engineering school, I've studied a lot of industrial accidents. I just find it really fascinating. And organizations like the Chemical Safety Board, NTSB, and OSHA all have like really good reports available to the public. I think as a designer, it's really good to learn about mistakes. When looking at these kinds of industrial disasters across time, there are a couple things that are pretty universal across all of them. One, the responsible party in this case, Norfolk Southern Railway, always plays down the reality of the situation. Politicians also just repeat the same lines, and then news outlets just repeat the same. So all we're hearing is the responsible party's word. That was uh, Nick Drum. I'm putting, uh, I am putting his TikTok channel uh, in the chat. So if you wanna, uh, he's done several videos on this, but this vinyl chloride is some of the most toxic gas uh, that you could have in the air. Uh, like he said, it's only supposed you're only supposed supposed to uh, or they allow uh, one part per million in an eight hour shift. There is a whole lot more than one part per million in the air. This is tied to liver cancer, uh, other forms of cancer. And of course, uh, you're not going to get cancer right away. This is the type of thing that is generational. Uh, it will manifest over three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Uh, from my quick uh, studying up on this, you could also have reproductive issues if you're pregnant uh, or trying to get pregnant, um, not to mention respiratory issues. Uh, and Colin, if we could just show some of the images. Uh, uh, I just sent you one. Uh, they've been seeing dead fish, uh, not just in the immediate area, but just you know, miles and miles away, uh, while seeing these dead fish, the EPA in Ohio is telling people the water is fine, despite the dead fish. So yeah, the, the fish in the water are all dying, but you're fine. So that's some of the dead fish that they have found. Uh, if you scroll, there's a net with some other dead fish. Uh, if we could show just some of the explosion um, I mean, look at that, that dark, that's the daytime. And that is the plume over the sky. If we could full screen that, uh, that is the burning at night. I mean, this looks like a dystopian horror film, but this is what's going on in East Palestine. And I got to say, I'm not shocked, uh, by you know, I've been on the ground reporting for seven years. The corporate media usually blacks out most important stories, whether it be environmental, social justice. If they cover it, mass shootings, they'll cover it for a day, maybe two. I was shocked. Uh, yesterday morning, I watched all of the Sunday morning shows, not because I want to, but because 
status quo has an idea for a new show and I wanted to start watching the Sunday shows. So more on that idea in a little bit, but I was watching the Sunday shows. I did not see one Sunday morning show, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN. I didn't see one even mention this. How do you have a massive ecological disaster, a massive explosion that they are smelling, seeing, literally 50 to 70 miles down the road. Not a mention. You better damn believe it. If it happened in New York City or DC, it would be wall to wall. But because it's on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania, can't be bothered. I mean, it is absolutely outrageous. And I was reaching out uh, over the weekend to residents, et cetera, to try and uh, schedule interviews. And I mean, I'll just describe what what what, red, yeah. what one resident told me who's I'm trying to get an interview. Uh, this is somebody who lives in East Palestine, East Palestine. Hey, we had to evacuate that night since it got into our home and made us sick. My son wake up, woke up shaking and violently vomiting. So we left ASAP. We had headaches, burning eyes, throat, nose, dizziness, general sick feeling. I've also spoken with people who say they have rashes, yet they've been told it's safe to come home. Let me repeat, dead fish, as we're about to show you, dead foxes, sick foxes with neurological problems. We have an interview coming up. We have children and adults with burning eyes, rashes, dizziness, Yet, they've been told the water's fine. They've been told the air, the, the company, Norfolk Southern, the rail company, they are handling the air pollution testing. And I have the flag behind me. We do live in the United Corporations of America. We already gave it away because we put it in the headline. Norfolk Southern, Colin, if we could show this. This is the Yahoo article. Norfolk Southern is giving $25,000 to an Ohio town where it caused a life or death evacuation. I failed math, but let's do the math. East Palestine has 5,000 residents, a 25,000 donation, $25,000 divided by 5,000 people is $5 per resident, $5 per resident. And by the way, that's just in East Palestine. This is not just restricted to East Palestine. It's literally, you could smell this 20, 30, 40 miles down the road. Now, this is probably gonna end up being like a lot of other stories I've covered, where the rail company, is going to increase the, the donations they give to politicians. Uh, there's going to be a massive class action lawsuit uh, among the residents in East Palestine. Uh, there will be a fight to widen that out beyond East Palestine to surrounding communities. Uh, by the way, this is also affecting uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, East Palestine is uh, basically right near the border of Pennsylvania. So the Pittsburgh area, surrounding counties, uh, there's going to be massive lawsuits, not just with East Palestine residents, but residents in other areas. 
and they are going to uh, probably drag this out for 10 years, 15 years. Eventually, there will be a massive settlement. But by then, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are dead from cancer and other diseases. And if you live in the Ohio River Valley, you know, if you've seen the, if you've seen the movie uh, Dark Waters, I believe that was uh, DuPont. Dark Waters. Yeah. Uh, this was what happened uh, with DuPont and the chemical uh, spills and contamination they did in the Ohio River Valley. That dragged out for years. All sorts of cows and animals died. Hu uh, residents dying of cancer and other illnesses. Eventually, they got paid. But the damage was already done by then. Uh, and let me read, in addition to the insulting offer uh, that came from um, Norfolk Southern, uh, let's play the video, Colin, from The Lever, because uh, this is David Sirota's uh, media company, because they have details. The rail companies, who, by the way, remember President Biden helped the rail companies block a strike at the end of last year, you, you know, Union Man Joe, uh, stopped the rail companies from um, uh, striking uh, and forced a shitty contract on them with no paid sick days. Um, the rail companies also lobbied hard against regulations that would have made them update their very, very outdated brake system so that it would prevent derailments like this. Well, the rail companies lobbied against uh, those proposed regulations to update their brake system. A lot of these rail companies have brake systems and infrastructure dating back to the 20th century. And as a result, you have derailments like this. Let's take a look at uh, the lever did a good video describing that. saw in the middle of the country a giant chemical fireball, 100-foot flames, and very few people asking questions about what led up to this. So there was a derailment in 2012 in New Jersey. Releasing 20,000 gallons of dangerous chemicals and noxious gas into the air. There's children in the town that are being affected by this. And there was pressure on regulators to do something about those kinds of trains. And so the Obama administration had a rule proposed to better regulate these trains. The National Transportation Safety Board told the regulatory agency, said, listen, these regulations should broadly cover not just oil, they should cover what's known as class two chemicals. And the chemical industry lobbyists went to work pressuring the regulators agency to limit the definition of what a high hazard flammable train is. Limit it in a way that the train in Ohio, that kind of train ended up not being classified as a high hazard flammable train. The NTSB closely monitoring four cars that are filled with vinyl chloride. It has been found to be linked to cancer. Trains that were subject to this rule were going to be required to use a special kind of new braking system to try to deter or at least reduce the damage from derailments. ECP delivers the unmatched performance of air brakes with the precision of electronic communications. Most trains in the country are still using technology from the Civil War era, but the moment the government was considering making it a mandate. The railroad industry's changed its tune. It cited cost concerns to pressure against that rule. We want to see federal regulations when they're necessary. 
not just uh, in reaction to a headline in the, in, in the Washington Post. Obama's rule included that measure to expand the larger use of those brakes on the nation's rail system. But in that 2016 election year, the Republican Party got about $6 million from the rail industry. And and Senate Republicans started beating the drum for Trump to repeal the rule. Donald Trump repealed the break rule so that the industry does not have to even start to use these kinds of breaks. One former Federal Railroad Administration regulator told us that these breaks, which are known as ECP breaks, would have mitigated a disaster like this. And we just learned today after the publication of our story, federal officials told us that this train did not have those breaks on the train. There you go. United Corporations of America. Great reporting uh, by the lever. Uh, this was, you know, I don't like I don't credit him often, but the Obama administration proposed sensible regulations to make rail companies who, by the way, like pharma, like fossil fuels, like Wall Street, like real estate, they're making filthy record profits thanks to the politicians that they have bought off. Uh, and the rail companies who literally have cut 30, 40 percent of the work staff over the last five to 10 years. That's why they are making record profits, because they're doing a whole lot more with less. Uh, you talk to rail workers. I've interviewed rail workers uh, when there was a potential for the strike last year. Literally, some of them are working 30 hours straight. Uh, don't get paid sick leave days. Biden blocked them from going on strike, demanding those paid sick leaves. Uh, in my view, the squad, Bernie, none of these people uh, fought hard enough for these rail workers. Um, so these rail companies who are making God knows how much money, they are transporting very, very flammable, dangerous chemicals countrywide. This is not the only train derailment. Uh, this is not the only explosion that has happened. Yet they have brakes and equipment that are older than some of our grandparents. How is that possible? How are there no rules for basic upkeep on trains that are traveling through Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois? I mean, we can go down the list. It is absolutely insane. And thank you for the super chat. I'll read the super chats at the end. Absolutely insane. I want to first start, uh, I did an interview uh, with Taylor. He lives a mile outside of the evacuation zone, so basically right next to East Palestine. He has, a him and his family have a farm. Uh, he's a fox keeper. Uh, he has foxes and coyotes and all sorts of other animals. And already one of his foxes has died. The other foxes are mostly ill uh, and have neurological damage. Um, it is heartbreaking because obviously the animals are dying first, but if the animals, uh, he told me, uh, blood tests are showing elevated liver enzymes, uh, lung inflammation, um, it's re the humans are going to have it next. Uh, so here is my interview with Taylor. Uh, if you're an animal lover, uh, you know, trigger warning. Uh, it's pretty, pretty upsetting. Status coup, uh, delighted to be joined by Taylor. 
you are Taylor Holzer. Uh, you are uh, right near uh, East Palestine, Ohio, where this just horrendous controlled uh, train explosion has occurred. Uh, you have a um, you and your family run a uh, farm where you have animals, including foxes. Uh, it's called Parker Dairy. And uh, can you kind of describe pretty quickly right when they exploded this train, uh, your animals were sprinting and what happened next? Uh, when the first first when the train like crashed originally, the animals were panicking and freaking out because it originally just went up in flames and it was a big mess. And there was a lot of animals just escaping the area, like the wildlife. It was really bad. Like there was smoke everywhere and it was not good for anybody in the area and then the controlled explosion that didn't seem very controlled to me just made it a lot worse for everybody the toxic gases and everything just it was a mess for everybody and your um foxes uh were running and they hurt themselves running is that correct yes i had the foxes um they're in their enclosure since they aren't able to be released to wild um, they were trying to run from the explosions and the sounds and they just couldn't get away and they hurt themselves trying to get as far away as they could. And I wasn't able to get to them to get them to safety farther away. And can you talk about, because uh, you've basically been taking your animals to the vet back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I want to show an image you posted uh, of one uh, that looks pretty ill. Uh, that's one of your foxes there, swollen face, yeah. runny eyes, coughing. Uh, another one, unfortunately, uh, passed away. Um, this is uh, Kieran was yeah. the fox's name. Um, yeah, did the Kieran. vet, did the vet, sorry, by the way, that's terrible. Um, did the vet talk about what they think? Was it the smoke they, they were inhaling? Uh, what do they think is making them sick? Uh, so far at the vet, they've tested the blood levels and there's raised liver enzymes and the chloride levels in the blood are on the high end of normal and the lungs are inflamed. All of that is like in line with vinyl chloride exposure. There's um, the eye irritation and there is neurological issues going on, which is also things that can happen from the chloride, uh, vinyl chloride exposure. Um, the one that passed away, they have been talking to um, universities to make sure that they do the necropsy correctly and don't lose any of the like tissues and don't mess up any of the samples. And they make everything go how it needs to go to have the information preserved um, so that in anything that is there can be used. Um, the one, I have one fox that has come home so far from the vet and she still isn't 100%, but she's doing a lot better. And um, hopefully the other ones are all gonna make it, but one like has a lot of neurological problems and she so far is seeming like she's not gonna be herself again from everything. And I have others that also have neurological issues that just, they're not themselves at all from it. And I'm really worried. And uh, is the neurological issues kind of like they're not responding uh the way they normally would kind of slower delayed what are you seeing they act lost they don't really seem like 
they don't act they're they're lost they're not responding to me as they would normally respond to me they some of them don't recognize me and they would normally come up to me and pretty much act like a dog with me but they are afraid of me instead some of them are pacing and they never pace they don't act like a caged animal would like that isn't cared for properly that act like they're happy all the time they're never stopped moving they're always happy but now they're like laying around just not behaving how they should um my mom always says that they never stop moving they annoy her and they just are always on her nerves because they move so much but now they're just laying around not behaving how they always do um my coyotes um the female is always like friendly i pick her up and hold her she jumps on my back and i give her piggyback rides and stuff and she's been aggressive with me which is not her at all um wow. and it's just really hard to deal with and uh i know uh yours aren't fish but i just wanted to show this because uh you posted this as well there's reports a lot of reports of just dead fish uh like 10 miles away 15 miles away uh downstream uh though uh, some residents that i've spoken with have said the e epa has said the water's fine even though fish are coming up dead all around uh have you seen heard about dead fish and other dead animals i've seen a lot of the dead fish um i've seen people in suits in the water checking the water um it's not good in the water at all for any of the wildlife there's frogs salamanders everything in the water that are not going to be doing well and i've seen people reporting of dead hawks too which i a lot of the um a lot of the birds of prey in the area would eat the dead fish and that would probably get into their system as well and people also downtown have had a lot of cats that are acting very sick and you can see the feral cats in their eyes they're just they have very obvious eye issues right now from everything and how far are you in miles from where the actual explosion was i'm a little bit over a mile well from where i am right now we're at my house but the where the animals are kept it's like right at the mile and could you describe uh because obviously people saw uh, a reporter was arrested, but could you describe, because there's been conflicting reports about are the, are the police or government blocking off uh, the town from people getting in? Um, what has it been like in the actual radius? Are people able to kind of come and go or have most people tried to leave? They're saying everything's safe now and they want everything to be back to normal pretty much. They, like, I don't really understand what the um, arrest was for. They haven't really like made a official statement that I've seen for it. But a lot of people are saying that he was um, trying to report on stuff that he wasn't supposed to or that he was being too loud. I don't really know what the true story is for that. Um, a lot of people aren't safe, like feeling safe coming back home and I don't blame them. It's really, I don't feel safe here, but I don't have a choice with all the animals I have here. Right. And it's kind of like common sense. How can you say it's safe when, I mean, there's people reporting that they smell it 30 miles away uh this is an image of a vehicle uh 70 miles away uh which looks like some of the um just debris from the fumes and smoke uh and obviously the dead animals so it kind of seems like there's i don't know about a cover-up but 
it's a weird uh, media blackout nationally. You don't see much about this nationally. And then them telling you everything's fine when there's dead animals, your animals not acting themselves. And obviously the long-term effects of the type of cancers you could get don't happen right away. A lot of it doesn't happen right away. It takes time developing your system and then you drop dead or you get cancer. Right. And um, are the residents, uh, you know, there's been some Facebook groups and things like that, but have the residents been talking to each other? I know that there's some lawyers uh, giving out information on, you know, who you could reach out to. Uh, how are the residents communicating? Obviously, this is still very new. Um, are, are... Um, the residents here are, there's split between two sides, people that just are done with it and ready to move on and others that are uh, dealing with a lot of um, like stress and they don't want to keep moving on. They want stuff to be fixed now because they're dealing with health issues. They don't know the truth about what's happening and they want answers and they want um, they want that things to be made right because they have there's recently been a lot of people posting online with rashes all over their bodies and people have small children with rashes and they don't want to have this happening. Right. And there's also the issue of water testing, because I saw that uh, water and air testing, the folks that were volunteering to do it were affiliated with the railroad company, which is kind of like yeah, asking, everything the, is, asking the arsonist the to test. Company. Yeah. What do you think of that? I don't completely trust it, but it if they're offering it for free and you can do it, do it, as long as you don't have to sign anything away, get the reports that you can even if it's i just have a report of it and have it used later if they don't have if they don't test for the right thing then you can use that for something later just i i do it just to have it mm -hmm. and uh with your eyes go with another one too and with your animals you have foxes coyotes other types of animals do you feel comfortable serving them the water that you normally serve them um what do you what are your thoughts on that? I don't feel comfortable serving them normal water. I, it's just, it's all really sketchy. I've had to drain the two big water barrels I had that I stored up. It's all rainwater, and I had to just drain them because I don't want to use that water. Mm -hmm. But it's just, gotcha. I don't even want them to be in town right now. But I have nowhere I can really take them because it's hard to move that many animals somewhere else. Right. Set up new enclosures that are escape proof and like with not knowing what areas are legal to have them in either. I can't move out of the state and like 20 feet away from where I have them is PA and PA they're not legal there right and let me ask you I don't know uh if you've had time to look into this but there's been reports that uh this rail train and many like it you know fought against regulations that would have required them to have newer brakes uh you know more advanced brake systems that might help prevent uh this kind of derailment uh, railroad industry as a whole has made record profits over the last few years, but as we've seen, uh, have fought against, you know, offering workers paid sick leave, fought regulations for newer equipment. Um, we're told that there's going to be more derailments like this. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that they seem to be making a ton of money, but fought against the type of regulations that might have prevented this? Um, I don't know much about everything that's going on with that, but it's they. I've heard there's been a lot of other derailments from them, and 
it's obvious that something needs to be done to stop it from happening more. Um, they've already have more trains coming through here and they haven't even completely cleaned up the mess they've already made. They just back to business as usual. And real quick, uh, can you just describe for people what got you involved uh, with kind of foxes and having these animals and animal farm? Because obviously they say, you know, dogs, man, dog is man's best friend, but it must be really tough. Obviously, you're passionate and, you know, love your animals to see uh, one die, others sick, others acting uh, out of the ordinary. It must be really tough emotionally for you. I just always loved animals of all kinds and not really cared what kind of animal it is, like from tarantulas to anything. Like, it doesn't really matter what the animal is. I've always wanted to be around them and help them out in any way I can. And when I was little, I'd always bring home animals and help them out or just try to keep them as pets. And whenever I have animals brought to me that need some, some help or anything, I just like, I can't turn them away. So it's always just anything that needs help, I do whatever I can. If I can't do it for them, I find someone else that can help better than I can. Yeah. And um, is there any way the audience could help? Uh, are you looking for donations or anything like this to help with uh, veterinary care? I know those bills could be very high. Uh, I have a GoFundMe set up that my friend, well, my friend set up for me because I wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable setting up one myself. Um, and it's so far vet bills, I don't even know where we're at now. It's going to be pretty high with fixing broken legs and all the blood tests and everything going on. Um, but sharing and getting the word out there about what's going on here and getting help to other people's animals, like the cats and dogs and everything in town that's not acting right and helping them get necropsies for animals that they've lost is going to be a lot of help. And I'll definitely post your GoFundMe if uh, the audience wants to contribute. Uh, thanks so much. I'm sorry what, what you're dealing with. Please keep in touch because, unfortunately, as far as I could tell, the national media has not really been paying attention to this. And I think it might end up being one of the worst ecological disasters in, in modern American history. So uh, we'll stay on it. And uh, please, you know, keep us up to date what's going on. So that was Taylor. He's a fox keeper uh, right outside of the immediate blast zone. Uh, it's horrible. I mean, uh, I have a dog. Uh, these are foxes, but all the same. People love their animals. For most people, they're part of their families. And uh, key work, the key phrase there, uh, initial tests at the vet of these blood levels uh, in those foxes have ele elevated uh, liver enzymes, high levels of chloride, which vinyl chloride, uh, lung inflammation. This is just a few days. Um, so if people are still in town, and many of them are, which we're about to find out because I have another interview to air. Uh, if people are still in town, drinking water, breathing that air, playing outside in the soil. I mean, the, the amount of sickness that is going to come from this is just staggering. Absolutely staggering. And basically because of a greedy, greedy rail company and our government that greedy, greedy rail companies buy off. It's just outrageous. You know, you go to a mall, you could get shot. You go to a movie, you could get shot. You go to school, you could get shot. Um, the government, in my opinion, has let, let COVID go unabated. Whatever your thoughts are on COVID, 
to hell with precautions. You know, people getting sick, long COVID, uh, obviously a lot of people dying. Uh, and then you have this, no fault of your own. You know, you work hard, uh, you get a house, try to live the American dream, white picket fence. Uh, you move wherever you move or you stay where you grew up and you build a family. And through no fault of your own, they decide to make you a sacrifice zone. Colin, can we play the clip, uh, the clip that I told you, the time codes? Uh, a news outlet spoke with a uh, toxic uh, a hazardous chemicals expert. Uh, it's not just vinyl chloride. It's not just vinyl chloride that was released. Let's play this. Basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency sent a letter to Norfolk Southern stating that ethylene glycol monobutyl ether, acrylate, and isobutylene were also in the rail cars that were derailed, breached, or on fire. Caggiano says acrylate is especially worrisome. He says it's a carcinogen and contact with it can cause burning and irritation in the skin and eyes. Breathing it in can irritate the nose, throat, and cause coughing and shortness of breath. Isobutylene is also known to cause dizziness and drowsiness when inhaled. I was kind of surprised that when they quickly told the people they can go back home, but then said if they feel like they want their uh, their homes tested, uh, they can have them tested. I, I would have far rather they did all the testing. Caggiano says it's possible some of these chemicals could still be present in homes and on objects until you clean them thoroughly. Oh, there's a lot of what ifs. And we're going to be looking at this thing 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line and wondering, gee, cancer clusters could pop up. You know, well water could go bad. Honestly, in a sane society, these people would have been evacuated, uh, put up in a hotel. The government, you know, provide transport for them to and from work, uh, daycare for their kids if needed, uh, alternative schooling for their kids until there is thorough and independent keyword independent. Cause a lot of times they say, Oh, independent water testing and you find water testing or air testing or soil testing. And then you find out, Oh, it's the EPA. Oh, it's the state environmental agency. Oh, it's the company. And their, their numbers are different than actual independent non non uh, bought off testers. That's what happened in Flint. Uh, so it's crazy that people are still there. It really is insane. And keep smashing that like button. Uh, let's get more people watching. We got another interview to air. This is with activists on the ground who have been busy since this happened and give you a little bit more perspective on this area, the politics of it. And uh, I learned a lot and it is more horrifying than we know. This is the kind of, I'm not like patting myself on the shoulder. This is the kind of reporting we need done by the national media. God forbid CNN speaks with some residents, activists. Uh, God forbid CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post ask, where the hell is Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio? He's supposed to be a sensible Republican, a non-extreme Republican. Where the hell is he? Why has this not been declared a national federal disaster? The new governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Schwartz Shapiro, excuse me, Apparently, he's taking aggressive action to protect uh, the western part of Pennsylvania from this. The Ohio governor is doing diddly shit and acting like, eh, it's all fine. Go back to your homes. This is Cancer Alley. This is going to be a cancer fucking dungeon.
Keep smashing that like button. Super chats are appreciated. We'll read them at the end. Here is my interview with two activists uh, from the uh, from the organization uh, River Valley Organizing, who's done a lot of great work uh, in response to this. Jordan, uh, delighted to be joined by Amanda Kiger and Daniel Winston, uh, both with River Valley Organizing uh, in the Ohio uh, River Valley, uh, co-director uh, Daniel and Amanda. What's your role? Um, I'm also, we're, we're co-executive directors of okay. the organization. So you guys have uh, been doing this for a while in a region of Ohio, kind of basically on the border of Pennsylvania that is very familiar with corporate pollution uh, and corporations trying to basically uh, move on with you as sacrificial lambs. Uh, this is obviously potentially unprecedented. Uh, I think likely a ecological disaster that will have ramifications for decades to come. And uh, unfortunately, as far as the national media, uh, barely being covered that I could tell. Um, so let's start with um, what your organization does and what you guys have been doing, because it's been frantic for the last week uh, since this controlled release. Do you, um, Dan, you want me to take like the spiel on what we do and then you can kind of like dig into where we're at, right? Um, so River Valley Organizing is a 360 um, social justice um, and community power building organization. Um, so we work on social justice, all the social justice um, that um, is needed in the River Valley. And so we work under three pillars. We work um, on the drug war. We fight the drug war, which has a lot in it, right? Um, from over-policing, mass incarceration, to the degradation of um, degradation of our, envir of our environment, you know? Um, and we also work through both of those. Um, our third pillar is civic engagement. We know we need to get folks um, voting. We need get to get um, folks willing to step into the positions of running office so that we're able to actually actually have um, um, good administrative and good leadership here in Ohio and throughout the River Valley. Great. And um, could you talk about uh, when did you first hear about this, quote, controlled release? Uh, and uh, what were the first hours, days like for your organization? Uh, you want to take it, Daniel? Yeah, well, we, you know, we heard right away uh, once the train derailed. Um, unfortunately, I was in Atlantic City on vacation when this was happening, but Amanda was right there and her whole team uh, from the get-go, boom, jump. Uh, we heard, um, you know, the train had derailed and there were chemicals uh, burning. And so we right away uh, went for, oh, sorry, I apologize. We right away uh, sprung the action because we are in a we, big pillar of ours is environmental. So we saw, we knew um, that that um, these chemicals going in the, uh, the air and the ground, uh, we, we weren't sure what they were. So we immediately started investigating and working with people that live right in East Palestine in that area. So we, it's, we never tried to do stuff ourselves. Uh, our organization is all about building power in areas so we went straight to the source went to the people like what's going on and then they let us know like hey, this train derailed um this vinyl chloride is you know being burnt you know and so we went into that um that controlled uh burn uh once that started once they announced that we thought that was atrocious from the beginning uh the way they wanted to do it 
Um, at first, the evacuation zone was a mile. And then once they decided to do the controlled burn, they made it two miles. And we just thought that was ridiculous. Um, we saw that they were evacuated um, that area. It is a poor area, impoverished area. Um, Columbia County itself is impoverished anyway. But um, that area where that train derailed at is very impoverished. And they were kicking people out of their homes. I mean, there's no other word to say that. Like that evacuation, you leave right now, you got to go. Um, not North Coast Southern wasn't there, but, you know, the, the sheriffs and the state police were there escorting people out of their house. You have to leave right now. Um, and so we were right on it then. Um, we noticed that people were being shipped uh, to hotels as far as Northwest Virginia, which is about 35, 40 minutes away from East Palestine. Um, they weren't allowed back in their houses. They weren't sure how they were going to pay for this hotel. Then the, um, the railroad decided that they were going to reimburse daily, which we thought was atrocious again. You're making people go from 30, 40 minutes away, drive back to East Palestine to the community center, and then getting a daily check to go back to the hotel and then redo again, right? And so why that was ridiculous is because once you have people who are living paycheck to paycheck, sometimes paycheck to other paychecks, we've all been there, um, having to pay for a hotel first and then go back to get money to reimburse, um, that could be a danger to them right away. It was. Yeah, it, it was food, it, food in people's mouths. Um, people were, hotels were complaining, they were dropping people at some times, and like, then people would have to get back in the hotel. So we were on this right from the beginning. Uh, we had some volunteers. Um, our volunteer leaders from East Palestine have been amazing um, yeah. in this whole ordeal. Uh, we just had a community meeting the other day with um, Senator Sherrod Brown's office, where I believe about seven to 10 people were there. And the things that they stated uh, was exactly what we needed. We got good info. So we've been on the ground this whole time. Um, and we're going to be on the ground fighting this. Uh, we have decided that we're going to put all of our resources, our time, our money, and our people in this for uh, years to come. Uh, you know, this is not a two-week, two-month, six-month fight that uh, East Palestine is going to have. It's going to be something that's going to be a major long fight for the next years to come. Yeah. Speaking of good info, uh, all I'm seeing is residents describing that they're being told the water is fine. Uh, they're being told, uh, you know, it's fine to go home. Uh, I just interviewed uh, a young man who his foxes are sick. One of them died. Um, and he's basically saying that the narrative that they're getting there, he's a mile away, is, uh, you know, move on. Uh, I don't know how you move on when I'm seeing pictures 50, 30 miles away of people smelling it, 70 miles away. People's cars have what looks like yep. soot and uh, from the explosion. I mean, this is not just in Ohio. It's no. in Pennsylvania now because this is a border town. Yep. Um, I don't. And also, I mean, I believe it because I've covered Flint and that corruption. But it seems that the entity that is doing the air testing is connected to the rail company. Absolutely. And you know how that goes, right? You, you stick up for who you're paid by, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm no engineer or chemist, but I just want to read this vinyl chloride boils at eight degrees Fahrenheit. And sh it was being shipped in its liquid form. But when the train crashed, uh, it wasn't just leaking fluid. It was spewing boiling gas. OSHA yes. allows exposure of one part per million 
of vinyl chloride per eight hour work shift. This is way more than one part per million. And uh, I mean, this could be between 25 and 33,000 gallons, uh, 200 and 250,000 pounds of vinyl chloride. I mean, just common sense. You don't need to be an engineer, a chemist. Um, I, I would not, I mean, you said it best, where do you go? But I would not want to be in that zone right now. No. Yeah. And no. not to mention that the fire department, you know, doing all they can do, you know, they work very hard, but thousands of gallons of water was poured over that and leaked everywhere, you know, going into the ground, going into the, the ponds, going into the waterways. So that's another aspect that people aren't, ta they're not talking about. They're just wanting to push this away and say, hey, everything is fine. Um, but as a as an organization, we're not letting them do that. Like we will not let that happen at all. Uh, we refuse to allow this even environmental disaster uh, to go untouched and like, oh, let's just go back to regular life. We have volunteers who won't even move back into their house because their kids were sick. Uh, we have volunteers who uh, went to the hospital um, and the hospital literally made them take all their clothes off and wash their clothes for them. And they diagnosed them with chemical burns in their, in their, you know, their lungs. And now they have to use an inhaler for how long we don't know, but for them just to come here and say, ah, oh, everything's so good. The water, okay, move back in. And for governor DeWine to allow that, um, just so trains can get back to their normalcy so we can make money again in this country. Um, it's barbaric and it's wrong. And we're gonna call, keep calling that out as long as we can. Can you, know, you talk, can you talk about that, Amanda? Because I don't know, obviously this is a politically uh, political country, everything's tribal, but like DeWine is somewhat of a reasonable Republican if that exists. And um, why has a federal uh, disaster emergency not been declared? Uh, why is the uh, is FEMA there? Why is uh, why hasn't they permanently evacuated? Well, at least mm. evacuated people long enough until testing comes back. Hey, uh, I mean, you. By the way, the water testing isn't like you test the water once and it's going to have to be over and over for years. Yes. Uh, air, soil. Uh, where is the political response here? Yeah. And so what my, um, this is, I will say, this is, this is my personal, personal feeling. Um, and, um, and this is as we, as we've been having conversations around the state, you know, um, Ohio, like many states across the country is very gerrymandered. Um, and Ohio has been a battleground state for many years between the Republicans and the Democrats. And what our real feeling is, um, is, is the way that, um, Oh, this region here is gerrymandered. It's looked it's looked at as a conservative foothold. Us at River Valley know that's not true. We know this is the gerrymandering piece, and and what we're seeing, what we really feel is happening, is if they call in FEMA, if they call in, make this a federal emergency, then that is going to let that is going to let um, the administration that is in power now kind of look like heroes, right? They're going to be like, oh, wow, they actually stepped in and took care of us. That could actually change the political face of the state. And folks don't want that to happen. They want to have this gerrymandered control. They do not want the other side as what they see as the other side. Um, and getting um, any good press, any getting good accolades. And they're going to do this at the expense of our community. It does, you know, it's that this is, this is going to be legacy pollution and our folks are going to feel this for years and decades to come, you know? And so that leaves us 
we've done a call out for folks to like really to help us push make the phone calls to DeWine make those make those emails to DeWine tell him to declare this a federal emergency and really put people over politics it's really what we most of the folks in this country have been asking for you know um and we just need our elected officials to do that actually listen to the constituents and the people that you are supposed to be protecting on the ground um but they won't unless we really push them unless we get a public outcry they're, they're not going to do it and it's also i mean vinyl chloride is connected to liver cancer all sorts mm -hmm. of health problems which you're not going to have within you know 10 days this is going to no. happen over years and we know how this goes in flint and many yes. other places uh you're gonna have to sue uh long you know the company is gonna drag it out for years a decade mm -hmm. eventually maybe you'll get a large settlement but right. by then how many people are gonna be dead yes how many children never even got to see their teenage years or got to see them in sickness and even when it comes down to the testing we are a small organization with a small budget and we have moved to where we're working with University of Pittsburgh and the University of Kentucky to actually provide soil and water testing and not just the flashbang right now. Okay, this is what you've got now. But how do we actually ensure the people that are living in this community that have to can come back if that, you know, um, that's even debatable. How many people even want to go back to that? But how do we do um, long longitudinal testing and studies on on this property, on these systems and on these on these folks' health? Um, and we actually are meeting with both of those, um, both of those uh, colleges this afternoon to figure out like what is the quickest way that we can get out there. So we actually are giving testing. We're not going to make any more money, you know, whether it's this, either side comes out with it, but actually give folks real and true testing and give some folks real and true um, information. Yeah. And also I could tell you, I mean, I don't, you know, I, you would hope this isn't the case, but I've seen a lot of, uh, independent testing over the years <laughs> oh my. Uh, in Flint and many other places that somehow uh, are claimed to be independent, but then you learn have grants from the EPA or yes. the state or the state. And magically, whether it's lead or other things, the levels in the water are getting better very quickly. So yes. you got not, not that, not, not that I'm accusing your organization, but you got to be careful with who's testing your water, your Absolutely. air, your soil. Absolutely. Speak to your speak, preaching to the choir. Um, one yeah. of the things um, that we have done as an organization and I was a part of, we um, actually have, have set up protocol. Um, and actually, the, it should be published at some point this year. But we have done a project, a citizen science project with um, with another community, these Liverpool community and Wellsville communities um, that we work in, live in. To where the to where we it is the folk we work with the community we do the soil testing it's by scientific protocol which is one of the things we're really wanting to make sure for our end you know so folks can take this moving on forward and so we've actually developed um a relationship with us our own organization personally have de developed a um um, a relationship of trust with both of these researchers that we we know they're not coming in for exploitive they're not even coming in to get um any accolades personally or for their for their um um for their colleges they're really just interested in making sure the folks are protected unprotected on, on the long range yeah um so i'm really glad you said that because that is totally the truth and that's what we were really we don't want to write we're you know folks have been really pushing out for us and really wanting us to have a public meeting and we've really really 
put um, one at it slow and steady. So we ensure that when we do have this public meeting, we have a couple of different things in there. We have some um, legal representation, again, that is not asking for folks to come bring them their money, right? And to like have the have the project as their, their, their sue, right? You know, to lead them. But just to give folks really, this is what is in here. This is really what it can do. And these are actually the legal ramifications, but not in a way that says, hey, come here, let us have your money and let us be your attorney. Yeah. Right. We, we really just want to get the information out and give folks those those choices and empower them with it. And can I ask you guys, um, what kind of area is this? I assume kind of working class, blue collar uh, folks. You know, I just spoke with someone who said uh, her dad had to go back to his factory the next day yeah. and, is and is feeling sick. It's not like people can afford really to take off time uh, oh. through just to make sure the air is OK or it's safe to leave the house. People got to get back to work, uh, you know, go about their life. Uh, tell us about this area. Yeah, Daniel, I know you have those numbers, probably a lot of that in your head. Uh, well, you know, East Palestine is a East Palestine is a um, impoverished area for sure. It's a small village, so it's got less than, you know, 5,000 people in it. Um, it's actually smaller than my little village of Wellsville, which has 3,500, almost 3,500 people. But um, the area is a mix in a small town. Um, they call our Columbia County area um, more rural uh, for some reason, because they think we have a lot of farmland, but we do have that. But we, we are very much small town America, where we have you know the small town shops, the small town things. Um, but in this area is part of our big agricultural area where we have farms that grow corn, farms that you know grow crops that um, are going to be shipped out to America. You know what I mean? The people are going to be eating this right in the five mile radius of this. That's it's another scary thing that we're getting ready to ship um, America, the American people, you know, corn and all these things that we grow in this area. Yeah. So this, so this area, it's not, I mean, the, the village is run by a uh, city administrator, village administrator. Um, they do have a mayor, um, but it's more of a show title thing. You know, that old is run by the administrator. Um, but it's a small area, uh, but it's a small area with a lot of pride. East Palestine still has a lot of pride for who they are. Um, it's one of those areas that the train industry has taken, you know, taken advantage of because uh, it was built around that train, you know, the train stations back then. So you can get from Youngstown to Cleveland, get a train there and get the, uh, to get to Pittsburgh. It's one of those stops, right? And so um, because we don't do that anymore, the um, the city has just gone down. And I think the issue is um, we're just talking about East Palestine, but like you alluded to earlier, um, that two mile radius is, is Darlington PA. Um, it's another area, you know, a, a small rural area um, right there in um, PA. Um, and the difference between how PA is handling this and how Ohio is handling this is night and day. Yes. People from Pennsylvania are getting like, you know, um, how, what not to do, you know, this, when you're going back to your house, all right, go back, but don't do this, this, mm -hmm. this. Um, I believe I read a, um, a paper where they told them not to vacuum, uh, vacuum uh, for a couple of days and things like that. Ohio just sent the people back in like, hey, the air looks good. Go back. And so I'll like, just be here. it's all over. Yeah. It, yeah. And so like, um, we have a lot of pride in Columbia County, you know, um, we're the forgotten area. A lot of times, especially in Ohio, 
Um, it's like we they look over this area, um, and we've had some crazy things, you know, with WTI, a heritage thermal, um, polluting our air, um, you know, this train thing, polluting everything. I mean, just just the way we are in this area, um, this is just not this is not something that we are going to be okay with. Let's just say that. Right. And can you also uh, talk about, it seems to me, um, you have like rows and rows of dead fish miles, miles down. This is in water bodies that serve the direct area water, but also areas far away water. Yet I was reading people were told the water's fine. Well, if the water's fine, why are the fish all dead? I tell you, Jim Justice from West Virginia, actually, he tested as far as way. He tested clear in Wheeling, which is an hour and a half from um, East Palestine, down the Ohio River. And he found the contaminants from that burn in the water in the Ohio River. He shut down some of the water processing plants on his side of the river. Ohio was doing nothing. They're not doing anything. Um, so that's and that goes back to where we were. I was talking earlier, like the water table goes fast and far. It, take, it takes very little to really poison a water table, and it goes very quickly, very right. quickly. Um, and this is something I think that horrifies me also. We knew that this could happen. Um, when the federal government actually gave permission for um, some of these substances to be carried by rail car, that had to have an actual special permission for this to be able to happen, we fought it. We fought this eight years ago. We said, do not bring these bomb trains through our communities. It is going to flatten in one of our communities. Sooner or later, this is going to happen. And we see it a lot. you got to go digging for it, which we've really dug since this has happened. This happens all the time. This happens all the time from these bomb trains. And our communities are just sacrificed to it. And, you know, in this community here in this area, it's the petrochemical hub that's being built out for gas and oil. Those chemicals that were in there are used to build out the plastics from this petrochemical hub from gas and oil. And so this just has these large ramifications, which also goes into why I think they're trying to hush hush it so much. Because there's so many fighting going back against this petrochemical build out that is happening here. They don't want this bad press and they don't want people making those ties to those chemicals, to this plastic manufacturing that is that is completely environmentally devastating. Another another nail in the coffin that has already been happening. We've had the steel mills, we've had the coal mines, we've had the potteries. All of those have put legacy pollution that these communities here really have to live in. And then bam, we're getting this again. And so it almost feels like they say, okay, that place is already so polluted. It doesn't matter if we put some more on them. Right. They're already dying. Really, I feel like that's some of the conversation that's happening. Well, the other thing is <clears throat> there have been, uh, obviously we know the rail industry uh, has made record profits. We know Biden, uh, Democrats basically blocked rail workers from going on strike at the end of last year. Uh, But we also uh, hopefully people uh, and residents learn that the rail industry lobbied hard and spent a lot of money against uh, regulations that would have required them to basically upgrade their brake system. Because if they would have upgraded their brake system, it's very likely that derailments like this would not have happened. Uh, that regulation, I believe, went in under the Obama administration, but the Trump administration repealed it. Yep. Um, and this is what happens. So Man, this, this community has felt so much about felt so much um, 
impact from Trump's rollbacks, like us specifically, we have just gotten so much from that. And we have also gotten um, a few whistleblowers that have come forward that have been contractors or folks that work for the railroad that are exactly telling us exactly what you said. Wow. That there, that this was a cost-saving measure, that these safety precautions were not um, were not put in, or or and not forwarded. And like the folks that work, the contractors and the folks that work um, for this railroad railroad company are worried. You know, they seen this happen. This was their worst fears. They knew this was going to happen when they seen it. We have engineers that are like, we told them this would happen if this measure wasn't done, but it was all cost-saving. And again, so it's like, you know, politics over people and, and profits over people. That is the way that this is being run. Yeah. Right. Um, obviously, I mean, you're no stranger to this, but aside from a couple written articles, I mean, I, I kind of skimmed the Sunday shows yesterday. I didn't really see much attention on this. I turned CNN on this morning. I didn't see much attention no. on this. Uh, it's not surprising to me. I mean, I've been covering the Flint water crisis and cover up for seven years and they're still fighting correct uh, i mean they're yeah still fight but, uh, I, I don't know i just i don't live there but people must think they're in the twilight zone because you would think in a normal society this would be 24 7 news yes and it's also it gets shows and we've been you know we've been in these um you know these environmental fights and social justice fights um for a while as an organization and, and we, it's like, we know like when it's good news and it's got that flashbang, we get it. And then as soon as you get out of the limelight, like Flint, you know, then you'll, you'll see something once in a while, like Flint's still fighting for clean water, you know, and it's, we're always figuring how do we harness, how do we harness these big flashbangs to really get, get that systemic change to move. Right. You know, that's what I think most of us are hoping. Like we seen this. We said it was going to happen. We foretold that it was going to happen. Now that it did happen, how are what are the systemic changes that we're going to make so this doesn't happen again? And how do we push for those? Right. Absolutely. And um, also, if there's not a lot of media attention, that allows the local politicians to Absolutely. do what they're doing, which Absolutely. is skate by with the bare minimum. Yes. And you've got, and we've still got to be real. We in Ohio, and I think it isn't just to Ohio. I think it's a lot of places that have small, a lot of small town and rural population. You get a lot of old boy politicians. That's, that's the best way I can explain it. You know, they've been in there forever. Their father before them was in it, you know, their uncle George was or whatever. And they literally run it as if they own these, these constituents, right. Instead of um, serving them. Absolutely. Um, what is your organization uh, trying to do now in terms of organizing? Uh, people have asked me, are there reputable links or, you know, uh, donation websites uh, I could point people to? How could people, you know, help, whether it be water testing is not cheap. Uh, obviously, people, you know, need help in terms of relocation, things like that. Uh, how could people help? So we actually have two de donation. Um, we do do have two donation links through PayPal and um, Cash App that we have been uh, um, accepting donations for for folks with. Um, and then how we use those funds are definitely, um, you know, um, <laughs> the support of the communities and so and supporting um, those systemic pieces, like making sure folks have the soil and water testing, um, and ensuring that um, folks' voices are actually, you know, heard and are, are centered in this space great I'll, uh, I'll put those once we air this uh under the video and uh last question i mean where do folks go from here because uh, i would say 
certain residents might say, all right, well, I got to move on. And they're telling me it's fine. Uh, while other residents will want to get the hell out of there. And in some cases that causes friction in communities. Uh, you know, obviously this will be lost in probably a week or two uh, when the next catastrophe happens. Um, so uh, what's the most immediate need in terms of organizing, awareness, uh, et cetera? So we are hoping we, we meet with the, um, and Daniel definitely jump in whenever you feel appropriate. Um, we are meeting with the um, researchers from um, University of Kentucky and University of Pittsburgh today. Um, and also with Fair Shake Legal Services to, um, and where we're going to be announcing a town hall, a community meeting date. And I think that really honestly is the next step is folks to actually get together and organize together. So then we together as a community can then plan what is it, what is it that's needed? Um, so I think that's it is to keep a lookout this afternoon. Um, we will have those time and dates hopefully by the end of the day and then to have folks actually come and join that meeting so then we can as a community meet this together. Um, mm -hmm. And that's your power is always in numbers, right? You got to organize and, and, and have that united front. Yeah. And I'd also say uh, maybe people need to start asking questions about how many more trains are carrying these uh, vinyl chloride and other chemicals. What is their infrastructure on those trains? Yes. Have the brakes, have the brakes been updated? Uh, yes. And those are all of those questions that we are hoping to bring out to the fore, out into the fold um, when we when we meet with the community next week. What are those questions that we aren't getting answers to? We had a hard time even getting where these, you know, um, um, where all these chemicals like we're supposed to be going. Like we know because of what they are, where they're going. But to get a straight answer on that, they don't want to say that because they know we're already fighting this petrochemical hub and right. they don't want to say these chemicals were being used in that. Right. And they are literally dancing around that question very hard. They're they're hiding behind all kinds of light poles. You know, we can still see them, but we also see them hiding. You know. And also, uh, I mean, just to add one last insult to injury. Uh, I can't confirm it, but I have seen things surfacing that uh, Norfolk Southern is offering the town $25,000, which would amount to like $5 a resident. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that shows, shows ego. Doesn't that show ego that they think that's actually acceptable and they're able to say that without laughing at themselves? Like they actually were able to get that out of their mouths and thought that was an acceptable statement and offering. And after the town has fire trucks, equipment that they'll never be able to use again yeah. you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars they'll have to replace um so they offer twenty-five thousand out of the hey let's throw you this this also, is my bad here's the tip <laughs> yeah also they're they're offering uh citizens i believe a a thousand dollar like oh we're sorry check um and that's it like oh we're giving each citizen per person in your household a thousand dollars just to say we're sorry like they think that's that's adequate enough for destroying these people's lives. Yeah, and these are these are generational properties, right? You know, um, yeah. And one of our leaders, like their family, has been on these properties for three generations. They just got these streams healthy in the last five years or so to get where they were producing new fish and they were becoming healthy again. Then yeah. they walk out their door, and everything's dead. The creek is dead, and they want to give them. $5 per person to the town and a thousand dollars to say, I'm sorry when their whole legacy is gone. It's just atrocious. It's really atrocious. It, it really, it bothers me. That's why I call it the United Corporations of America. It's, well, pretty, uh, 
pretty you disgusting. Would think, you would think as long as I've been in this work, it wouldn't surprise me of the audaciousness of big business and government. And every single time it does. Every single time it, I get more and more just like, excuse me, but what the F? What the F? They think this is acceptable and they'll swallow it. And by the way, just want to say, obviously COVID has become this partisan thing, but <laughs> it's still going around. So if you are exposed to... Uh, you know, toxic gas, uh, which is going to affect your respiratory system and all those things. And then <laughs> an airborne disease. It's kind of a double whammy, I would say. And we're already in a space that has um, higher than normal cancer averages, higher than normal cognitive disorders because of the pollution that's already legacy here. You know, we have Parkinson-like diseases. We have rare cancers. We have um, the breathing issues are elevated in this area. And then, then this on top of that. Yep. Um, it's, I, I keep saying, I can't, you know, when I'm talking with folks, horrifying is like the only word I can like, I can land with it. It just gets more horrifying and terrifying every day. Those are my two, two words that I keep going to, cause I can't find another, I just yeah. can't find and, another uh, word. I should ask, but are you hearing yet from any residents in terms of any symptoms they're experiencing? I mean, I've heard coughing and things like that, but hundreds we've got a story bank going and we've got hundreds of reports um that's what i really want to say like our organization is very um we're pretty capacity strapped because um yeah. and this is not a brag we're the only thing going for me from from the top of the river valley cleared on the portsmouth um so you know when this was going on we actually you know stood for a second and was like is this something that we we have capacity that we're able to help and do no harm right we got dozens and dozens of people messaging us and calling us and emailing us and just really come to us and say, we don't know what to do. We know we're being lied to. Um, and can you guys please help us? And so really out of necessity that that we had even come involved because our leadership and we are, we're a leadership run organization. So we, we lead by what our leadership and our community members want and they were just desperate yeah. for, for, for yeah. somebody to help organize them. What does that say about our elected government that the masses are leaning on you rather than their government officials? Yeah, it's something in these. And I will say, and these are folks because of this being such a um, narratively conservative part, folks don't always agree with how we run and what our, our progressive values are, but they do yeah. trust our information. Um, our organization knocks doors and talks to our community with listening. We have community listeners that go out every week, three, 52 weeks a year. No kidding. We have folks that are going out there and talking to people. And so folks literally do folks that are like clear on the other end of the spectrum from what we believe in. We'll go on the door and it goes from years ago, us them telling us to get the hell off their porch, you know, to now it's like, what's going on? What do you right. have to tell us? Because now we become the trusted news source <laughs> an information source. And that itself, there's, there's 10 of us over a 500 mile radius. And, you know, I said, this is no brag. It's again, it's that horrifying thing. It's like, oh my goodness, this is how much um, we've been devalued and extracted from. Right. You know, uh, everybody should check out River Valley Organizing. Uh, let me show the homepage there uh, of your website. It's rivervalleyorganizing.org. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, they have, uh, I assume, stuff on the page already about what's going on there and ways you could contribute. Uh, and let's definitely stay in touch because this is certainly going to be a story for a long time. 
Absolutely. And I would move folks more to our um, social media page okay. again, just with the capacity. Our webpage has not gotten the updates. It's 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 needed. Our our most up to date information is definitely on our Facebook page. So there you go, River Valley organizing on Facebook, and you've look at that image. Oh my God, uh, that yeah. is this controlled. And it is not doctored. That is a real live, real live image. That's there it is. scary. Yeah, let me zoom in there. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's what they're telling people. You could go home. Yeah. <laughs> that was a controlled bird, by that the was way. The it controlled was controlled. Bird, uh, thank you guys so much. Please keep in touch. I'll stay on this. All right. Yeah. Thank you for your thank time. You. I mean, I've seen a lot of shit. Let's just call this what it is. They have, they, the railroad company, along with the politicians, uh, made the conscious decision to, made, to make East Palestine, Ohio, and the surrounding communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, because this is right on the border of Pennsylvania, Ohio, a sacrifice zone. They consciously made the decision to make this a sacrifice zone. If this would have happened in wealthy areas in New York or Pennsylvania, uh, D.C., L.A., Chicago, uh, Northern California, you better believe that they would have worked overtime to evacuate the residents before doing this controlled burn. They would have put them up in hotels, hell, build them a temporary housing village, Philadelphia even, uh, had, trans had tr transportation for their kids to school or move the school if need be. They would not have done this control burn without trying to evacuate the whole area. And they certainly wouldn't be bringing them back until there was thorough testing and remediation. So this is what happens when you have corporations, the railroad industry purchase the country and the government. And by the way, let's assign blame here. Number one, uh, just so you know, because uh, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Obama, but the Obama administration proposed regulations that would have mandated um, the rail industry and companies like Norfolk Southern to um, up upgrade their brake system on these rail, uh, these trains. Because a lot of these trains literally have brakes and uh, equipment that are older than our grandparents. Uh, that regulation was repealed as soon as Trump came in. Then you have, so that's, that's where the blame should go because uh, that would directly have prevented this if they had upgraded brakes. Secondly, you have uh, Joe Biden, who the union president, union man Joe, friend of labor, literally blocked rail workers and union workers from going on strike before the midterm elections and then before the holidays. Uh, coming up with all sorts of bullshit reasons why, invoking the 1926 Railway Labor Act, uh, which basically allows the government to cut in and block rail workers from going on strike. And rail workers were complaining about a lot of things, including uh, unsafe conditions and 
um, outdated equipment and infrastructure on these railroads, on the trains. They were complaining about rail companies all, while they're making record profits, cutting staff, cutting staff, and doing more with less by cutting staff, laying off workers, allowing, forcing workers into retirement so that they could milk and squeeze as much possible juice out of the orange of profits. So you have railroad workers that I've interviewed that describe literally working 30 hours straight. You have, who knows, this needs to be followed up on how many trains are carrying these kind of chemicals and what are those trains brake systems? What happened to the engineers on the train? Well, there's probably a whole lot less engineers on the train. I want to also show, because um, remember in the 2020 primary, a small town mayor from South Bend, Indiana named Pete Buttigieg, the corporate media tried to play Pete Buttigieg up as you know the next coming of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, I went to South Bend, Indiana. Status quo went to South Bend, Indiana. We showed you Pete Buttigieg's credentials for running for president. He shouldn't be, he, he's not qualified to run for the PTA board president. All he did in South Bend, Indiana is what all these mayors do. They beautify five blocks downtown, i.e. gentrification, i.e. economic terrorism. That's what gentrification is. They lure businesses from, in, in South Bend, Indiana's case, from Chicago to South Bend, Indiana, by giving them tax-free, we'll pay you to come. He poured $25 million, I believe it was, into a light show to light up the waterfall, the waterfall downtown. $25 million for a light show. And he made downtown South Bend, Indiana, very nice, a luxury hotel or two, bars, restaurants, and then left the rest of South Bend, Indiana to rot. Oh, by the way, he bulldozed 1,000 homes in 1,000 days in South Bend, Indiana, which we covered here. And we went and showed you the sea of empty lots in South Bend, Indiana. And for that, the media manufactured him into basically the white version of Obama. Let's keep it real. And for a short time, it looked like the media was going to manufacture Pete Buttigieg into the alternative to sleepy Joe Biden. And they were doing everything possible to make Pete Buttigieg a thing. Unfortunately for Pete, black people saw through Pete Buttigieg. So what did Biden do as a thank you for Pete Buttigieg dropping out? He made him the transportation secretary. Does Pete Buttigieg have any qualifications to run America's transportation system? No. But it would be good for his resume so that when Biden's out of the way, either next go around in 2024 or 2028, and they politically knife Kamala Harris out of the way, because clearly the Democratic Party doesn't want Kamala Harris, uh, they could sneak Pete in there. Uh, what has he done as transportation secretary? Well, you know, just allowed epic fuck-ups uh, at the airports, flight cancellations galore, did nothing to penalize uh, the... Uh, airlines who also buy off the politicians who, if you were traveling on Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know what I'm talking about with your flight cancellations or 10 hour delays did nothing could have fined the, uh, the air, the airlines. Why would we do that? We might need them later when I run for president. And he is a transportation secretary 
And as far as I could tell, please correct me, has he done a damn thing in response to a mini Chernobyl in Ohio? And I don't really think that's being dramatic. This is toxic gas that is killing fish, foxes, making horses sick, we've heard reports of. I've spoken with residents whose kids' eyes are burning, they're coughing, they're dizzy. And that's just in the first week. Who the hell knows the long-term effects of the cancers, reproductive issues, miscarriages, you name it, that is going to happen, not just in East Palestine, but east of it in Pennsylvania, where this smoke traveled to, and west of it in Ohio. Let's show you uh, what Pete Buttigieg is commenting on. Uh, it's Kyle. had its challenges. Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at what the American transportation systems have faced in the last two or three years, partly because of the pandemic, we've faced issues from container shipping to airline cancellations. Mm -hmm. Now we got balloons. That's right. Um, <laughs> I think that was over the weekend. So uh, mayor slash transportation Pete. Talk, talking like he has nothing to do with any of these things, commenting on airline cancellations that he did nothing about, uh, Chinese spy balloons. Not a peep on a mini Chernobyl in Ohio, which, by the way, he was the transportation secretary when Biden and him blocked rail workers from going on strike. And you want to know something? Maybe if rail workers were allowed to go on strike and allowed to have their voices heard, which would have uh, solicited media attention, maybe part of what they were going on strike about, maybe part of their uh, rallying cry would be the unsafe conditions on the trains, on the rails. And maybe we could have got awareness of things like this and the threat of something like this before it happened. Just a thought. And just to remind you, if you came to this late, Colin, if you still have that Yahoo article, this is not the onion. The Norfolk Southern Rail Company has literally offered the people of East Palestine, Ohio, $25,000. $25,000, community of 5,000 people. Divide 25,000 divided by 5,000, that is $5 per resident. You can't even get a good happy meal at McDonald's for that much. Put that back up, Colin. $25,000 for cancer, for miscarriages, for dead animals, for long-term uh, asthma, bronchitis, upper respiratory issues. for a town. And let me let me show you. Let me show you. Let me just give you a preview of what's what this is going to be. If you live in Ohio, West Virginia, parts of Illinois, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking Pennsylvania. Uh basically this is going to drag out probably for 10 to 15 years, maybe 20. There's going to be a massive class action lawsuit. Uh, it remains to be seen if the class action lawsuit half the battle is going to be who gets to sue? Is it only going to be the people of East Palestine? What about the people uh, east in Pennsylvania? What about the people west? Because this smoke has gone, uh, these toxic chemicals, there's reports of people smelling it 50 miles away. Uh, but there's going to be a long 
tedious court battle. Uh, the rail company is going to fight it every step of the way. They're going to increase their donation to the politicians. So the politicians will try and juice the legal system on behalf of uh, the rail company. Uh, and Wall Street might get involved because Wall Street, of course, is invested in the rail company. And if you're lucky, in 10 to 15 years, uh, the people of East Palestine will get a massive settlement, probably hundreds of millions, if not a billion. Uh, but by then, who the hell knows who's going to be alive to get to get the money? That's what will happen. Yes, thank you for this. Jordan, remember when Pete is the Obama speech? If we could light up a city, we could light up a country. Let me tell you something. I've covered a lot of nauseating politicians in my life. Uh, I've been doing this for seven years. Whew. Pete Buttigieg is about as paper thin vanilla. And I will never forget going to, I went kind of undercover to Pete's, uh, was it election night? A debate, de a debate night. I was in South Bend, Indiana. There's a Democratic primary debate that Pete was in. I wanted to just go to his campaign headquarters, not ruffle any feathers, just shoot it. Uh, the response and show the kind of folks uh, that were supporting his campaign. Oh my God, did they see me from a mile away in the, among that campaign? And they kicked us out of there lickety split just for literally taking photos of the inside of his uh, South Bend campaign headquarters, which had a really nauseating mural mural of Pete. That's somewhere up on the channel, uh, that video. I also want to show this, Colin, uh, if we could show Aaron Brockovich's tweet. Uh, obviously, Aaron Brockovich uh, exposed uh, Califor in California in the 90s, uh, corporate malfeasance, corporate pollution that killed a lot of people, gave a lot of people cancer. Uh, she is, re she uh, is responding to uh, the EPA, which issued a general notice of potential liability letter to Norfolk Southern Corporation. Uh, regarding the release or threat of uh, hazardous substances, pollutants, or contaminants to the environment. I'm not going to read that whole letter, but I will read what uh, Aaron Brockovich wrote. This is why people don't trust government. You cannot tell people that there has been and continues to be hazardous pollutants contaminating the environment while at the same time saying all is well. People aren't stupid. And she put in Governor Mike DeWine and the EPA. So basically... I'll read a little bit of this letter, Colin, if we could zoom in. This is uh, from the EPA. Dear Mr. Gennard, who is, uh, I guess, the CEO of Norfolk Southern, US EPA has documented the release or threat of release of hazardous substances, pollutants, or contaminants into the environment from the East Palestine train derailment site located in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, approximately 20 rail, car rail cars were listed as carrying hazardous material, cars containing vinyl chloride, butyl uh, acrylate, uh, ethyl hexyl acrylate, and ethylene glycol monobutyl ether are known to have been known to have been and continue to be released into the air. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, explanation of potential liability under uh, CER, CLA specifically, Sections 106A and 107A, uh, potentially responsible parties may be required to perform cleanup actions, blah, 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 blah. So at the end of the day, like I said, this is going to go how it always go. Uh, the rail company is going to clean it up, uh, but pretty damn hard to clean up this kind of 
uh, contamination. Go ask the people of Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, which had one of the worst oil spills in Kalamazoo. That happened, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. It still hasn't been completely cleaned up. Ask the people of Flint, Michigan today, by the way, how their water is. Colin, if we could put up that article I sent you. This is almost nine years later. Almost nine years later. Remember how the media has told us hey, everything's dandy in Flint. The water's fine. Flint residents under citywide boil water advisory after water main breaks. This is why I at Status Quo have stayed on the Flint water crisis going on. Uh, this is my sixth or seventh year covering it. April is nine years. There are water mains still breaking in Flint. They haven't even replaced all of the busted pipes in Flint. Why are there water mains breaking in Flint? Because the water mains, which are the main pipes underneath the street, were also badly damaged from the acid water that went through the pipes for 18 months. But the city and the state and the federal government said, we don't need to change the water mains. We'll only change the service lines from the curb into the home. They haven't even replaced all the service lines yet, almost nine years later. I wonder why. Flint's 52% black. Flint. Still has contaminated water nearly nine years later. How do you think East Palestine is going to do? It's a poor area, like the folks I interviewed said. Uh, you know, as Biden said, blank check for Ukraine. Uh, $15 billion in free subsidies to the fossil fuel industry every year. That's how much free money the fossil fuckers get. We give free money and free subsidies to Wall Street. We give free money and free subsidies to Big Pharma. We give subsidies to Big Tech. And apparently, uh, block workers from going on strike uh, if they work in the rail industry. And apparently, the media is in on it because I don't want to hear a damn person tell me that the media has been covering this. Aside from an article in the Washington Post, the New York Times, a couple articles, a short segment here and there, why is this not the top story in the United Corporations of America? Why is CNN not leading with this? Why is MSNBC not leading with this? Why is even Fox? It's conservative people in Ohio. Maybe because they know if they actually illuminate what caused this. Oh, wow. The, the viewers might start asking, well, what other hazardous materials being transported in America on trains through pipelines? Remember, it's safer, safer through oil pipelines. And yes, where is the governor of Ohio? Let's not only go at Biden and Mayor Pete. The governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, who was reelected in a landslide, he's considered to be a normal, reasonable Republican, not an extremist, not a MAGA Trumper. Where the hell is he? Why has he not issued a federal emergency declaration? Why has he not issued a federal disaster declaration, which is a step further than an emergency? Flint, the governor of Michigan, did not issue a federal disaster Excuse me, Obama did not issue a federal disaster declaration in Flint. They only issued an emergency declaration, and the difference is very, very important. You get a lot more money for a federal disaster, and you could have the Army Corps of Engineers and FEMA in there, lickety split. 
It's just crazy. All right. Uh, Colin, do we have any super chats? Yes. If you click on comments on the right side and then starred, you got super chats and some comments. And by the way, if you're new here, please subscribe to this channel. Uh, we're going to be covering this uh, extensively. This is not going to be one video and done. We're going to keep covering this story. Uh, we are going to send somebody there. If you if you weren't here earlier, full disclosure, uh, we had booked a flight for Louis DeAngelis to go there on Saturday. Um, I thought about it after the fact, and I did not think it was safe. So I made the decision not to send him right away. Uh, obviously, with reporting, you got to take risks. Um, but there's also risks. And then there's sending somebody into an area you know is very, very dangerous, not for the potential of gunfire, but long-term health problems. And I said to myself, you know what? Um, I don't want to send somebody... I don't want to send somebody somewhere where I think there's a good chance that they're going to get long-term health problems. Unless you're wearing a full-on respirator, and even with a respirator, we don't even know all the gases that came out of this train. Uh, so I felt I'd rather be cautious, uh, cover it remotely for now. We will send somebody there, whether it's Lewis or myself. Uh, I have a newborn, so I'm, I'm not headed out right now. Uh, but we will have somebody on the ground as soon as we think it's safe enough to have somebody. Uh, but Short of a hazmat, short of a hazmat suit, I'm not going to send somebody there and put them, you know, uh, to have long-term health effects. I don't think the residents should be there right now. Uh, this is, in my view, and it remains to be seen, a mini Chernobyl, uh, a mini Chernobyl, and I don't think that's dramatic considering. And we we have interview requests out to chemistry uh, expert uh, chemists. Uh, hazardous material experts to really dumb it down for you what the hell came out of this train because it's not just important for the people of east palestine ohio it's important for the people 10 miles down the road 20 miles down the road 50 miles down the road we don't know how far this went down west uh western ohio or east into pennsylvania uh the pittsburgh area um allegheny county uh etc uh, so we're going to have to cover this extensively. We'll definitely be reporting on the ground. If you're new here, Status Quo is one of the few independent outlets that actually goes out and covers things on the ground. So in addition to subscribing to this channel, if, if it's possible for you, consider joining us as a member. You could sign up as a Status Quo member for as low as 5 to $10 a month. Uh, that's statusquo.com slash join. Statuscoup.com slash join. You'll also get access to our monthly members call through Zoom, which I think we're going to do next week. Our uh, monthly members call through Zoom, which is at night. We usually go about an hour or two with our members, take your questions, comments, have a good time, show you some behind the scenes content. So that's statuscoup.com slash join. So in the last, what is it, three weeks, we've been down to Atlanta covering the Cop City protest. We've been in Memphis covering the protest after Tyree Nichols was basically assassinated by police. Uh, and we will be sending somebody on the ground. I just didn't think it was safe this minute to send uh, Lewis. Uh, so what you see is what you get. There's a whole lot of YouTube channels yapping and doing hot takes and reactionary bullshit. There aren't a whole lot doing on the ground content, or if they're not on the ground, actually doing interviews like this with activists, community members affected. By the way, it takes time. Uh, much of the weekend I spent reaching out 
uh, to residents, sending emails, Facebook messages. So it's not just us live. There's a lot of things that go into it. And let me give you a pro programming alert. Normally we're live at five, but I wanted to come earlier today. So at 5.30 today, uh, we're going to have a special interview. Uh, you might not know that there is a massive scandal, a massive air pollution scandal in Kalamazoo, Michigan, that's been going on for probably 15 to 20 years. Uh, so I've been reporting on that. So we're going to have an update on uh, the Kalamazoo, Michigan air pollution scandal. A, uh, a paper mill has been basically poisoning uh, the community of Kalamazoo for over a decade now. The state of Michigan Health Department, the state of Michigan Environmental Department knew about it. And now, 15 years later, are finally doing something about it. Very kind of them. So come back uh, at 5.30 Eastern for that interview. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, that's, I think, all we got. Uh, please, 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 if you're new here, subscribe to this channel. Uh, click the bell. Click the bell. Uh, for and press all notifications. If you're new here, we're usually live every day at five o'clock Eastern, but I wanted to come live on this earlier. Uh, so click the bell for all notifications. Also sign up to our Substack. You could sign up for free to our Substack. That's statusco.substack.com. All the links for all of this is under the video, under the description. I should also tell you in the description, in addition to our link to join us as a member, in addition to the link to donate to Status Quo. There's also a link to the GoFundMe for Taylor, who's the uh, the uh, resident that I interviewed about an hour ago. He's the one who, unfortunately, his fox died. His other animals are sick. He's got foxes and coyotes. He has a farm with all these animals. Uh, so he has a GoFundMe. He's taken his animals back and forth to the vet. If you have animals, you know about uh, how expensive that gets. So the link to his GoFundMe is in the description. If you want to contribute, uh, the link is there. Uh, the link to the River Valley uh, River Valley Organizing is there to their Facebook page if you want to see how you could support them. Uh, so we've provided everything. Uh, thank you for watching. I hope you'll come back at 5.30 Eastern. Uh, we should have other interviews with um, residents. Uh, I don't know if they'll be live or we'll just be posting them. YouTube doesn't like to always post our content or, excuse me, doesn't always like to distribute our content. If you're a subscriber, you might notice you don't see us that much. You might notice we're never recommended it among YouTube. So the best thing you could do, preferably become a member to help us keep the lights on. It's very expensive, very expensive to do this on the ground reporting. So if you can, keep supporting us, uh, but join our Substack. So that way you'll get uh, emails before we're going live. Uh, we post an email. We also do original reporting at our Substack. You could join for free, so it won't cost you anything. Statuscoup.substack.com. Uh, 